confess to you that I am sometimes very disgusted with my creeping, uh, what'd you call it, increptitude, or whatever you call it. As we started this journey, I realized I was going to have to have a little different way of keeping track of where I was at in my message, so I started printing my notes on these half sheets, and then I realized I had to print them with bigger font, and then I also realized uh, on midweek services I had to print them in all bold in, in order to keep track of it, so my eyes are not what they used to be, and I am um, afraid to admit to you all by wearing my cheater glasses, so I'm trying to hide it, but now I just wanted you to know that. Did everyone get a nickel when they came in, or some nickels? Okay. Those of us who are here who are very young can read the stuff that's on their nickels. I had to get a magnifying glass to read mine. I'm looking at the face, the side that has the face on it, the head. Can anybody read what it says on there? Young eyes, can you tell us what it says on there? In God we trust. Okay, I started my Thursday morning laying out here on the floor as I often do on Thursday mornings with our stretching class. And the passage that our instructor started with this morning was Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, which is one of my favorite passages, one of the first passages I learned as a kid. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And then our practice this morning was about trying to learn to trust and to grow in that trust and try to make us aware of that. And it got me thinking about our time together here tonight and two examples of trust. And the first one is Jesus. And it's based on these words that we have up here tonight, the the seventh or final saying of Jesus on the cross. This one's found in Luke, and it's the words that he says right before he breathes his last. Um, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And the New Living Translation of this verse says, Father, I entrust my spirit to you. That this Jesus, all along this road marked with suffering, for this entire journey, has been saying, God, I trust you. I will keep walking this road marked with suffering. I will endure everything that I'm called to endure because I trust you. And you'll recall that prayer Jesus prayed in the garden before he was arrested on this night as he's been praying, Father, if there's any way to remove this, then remove it. But, what's his next word? Yeah, not my will but yours. Which is another saying of trust. God, I trust you. I would rather not do this, but God, if you want this to happen, I will do it. Jesus trusted God, and he continued to trust him until the very end, until he breathed his last. Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. So that's one example. The other example is a guy named Judas. Have you heard of him? This year I've been a little bit more sympathetic toward Judas, and it was a couple of comments that came out of Pastor Allen's um, Sunday school class that helped me recognize maybe Judas' motivation wasn't as bad as I used to think it was. Because we know what Judas did, right? He betrayed Jesus. But Judas was a zealot, and the zealots, they also wanted to bring the kingdom of God. 
They just thought that the way that it was going to come was if there was a revolution. We need to have an uh, insurrection, an armed uprising, some violence, and we can bring the kingdom of God by force. That's what Judas believed. And so we're told in Matthew 26, this is what happened. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas, went to the chief priests and he asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. 30 pieces of silver. It doesn't seem like very much. That was actually about the same amount that a master would pay if his servant was killed. That's the price of a dead slave, 30 pieces of silver. I gave you some nickels. If you didn't get them from me, then you're going to have to borrow them from someone else. It probably doesn't seem like very much, does it? A few silver coins. It probably didn't seem like much to the chief priests if they could accomplish their end. Um, Jesus didn't seem to be worth that much. But I wonder now if Judas didn't think that this price was like a bargain to get what he thought was going to come from it to get the outcome that he hoped for. If he could take these 30 pieces of silver and betray Jesus, would that create a revolution? Would that push Jesus over the edge? Would Jesus and his followers rise up and fight back? Would that bring the kingdom of God? If you could take just a few pieces of silver and pay that to bring the kingdom of God? He probably thought he was getting a pretty good deal. This helps me understand a little bit more why Judas would betray Jesus, but it doesn't help me with the bottom line. The bottom line would be this. Judas did not trust Jesus. He's been walking with him all these days, listening to him and this preaching about the kingdom coming. Jesus never said it was going to come with a resurrection, with a revolution, with an armed uprising. That's not how it was going to come. Jesus never said that. Jesus said, look, the kingdom has already come. It's come near to you. Bottom line, Judas did not trust. He did not trust the Lord with all his heart. Instead, he leaned on his own understanding his own understanding that maybe he could take a few silver coins from the chief priests and that would pay to start a revolution and that would bring the kingdom of God. Now, imagine this. Both Jesus and Judas are in the same room, that same upper room, getting ready to celebrate Passover together the one who trusted God to the very end and the one who did not trust Jesus. They're sitting at a table together getting ready to celebrate the Passover. And this is what the Bible says happens next. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. 
This made them all very sad. And they began to say to him, one after another, Surely, Lord, not me. Can you picture this scene sitting around that table, each one? Is it me, Lord? Will I betray you? Is it me? Will I betray you? And they each affirm over and over again, they're not the one. They're not going to do it. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it was written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. And then Judas, the one who would betray him, looks Jesus in the eye and says, Surely, Lord, you don't mean me. Can you imagine when their eyes met? The one who trusted to the very end and the one who did not trust Jesus, trying to cover his tracks. Surely, Lord, you don't mean me. I'm not the one who's going to betray. I'm not the one who doesn't trust. And Jesus answered him, You have said it. The one who trusts looks the one who does not trust in the eye. Jesus could be looking into our eyes. You know that? He could be looking into your eyes or into my eyes. Would you deny me? Would you betray me? What do you think you would see if you looked into the eyes of Jesus at that moment? If you were one of those around the table, if you were Judas at the table, what do you think you would see in Jesus' eyes, the one who trusted to the end, looking at you, the one who does not trust him? What do you think you would see in Jesus' eyes? This isn't the only place in Scripture where we have this image. I wonder the same thing about Peter. A little bit later this night, Peter's in the courtyard, remember? Jesus has said to him, you're going to betray me three times and, and deny me. And Peter says, no, no, not me. I'll never deny you. I'll follow you all the way to death. That's what Peter says. And they go out in the courtyard and you know what happens. Three times. Hey, you must be with him, don't you? Aren't you one of his followers? No, 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 no. Not me. I'm not him. And then the rooster crows. And the Bible says, Jesus turned around and looked Peter in the eye. The one who trusts to the very end, looking at the one who does not trust him. What do you think Peter saw in Jesus' eyes? What will you see when you look in the eyes of Jesus? We've betrayed Jesus. We've denied Jesus. We've disobeyed. We've not trusted. You know, there's an old song that is sometimes sung on this night. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, oh, were you there? Were you? Well, in a way, we, we all were there with our few silver coins, taking whatever shortcut we needed to take that caused us to disobey, 
that caused us to deny, that caused us to betray him, that caused us to not to trust him. So you're looking in the eyes of Jesus, the one who's going to trust till the very end. What do you see when you look in his eyes? Love? Forgiveness? Compassion? Mercy? Determination? Though you have betrayed me, I'm going to go to the cross and die for your sins so that you can be forgiven. That's how much I love you. That's what we see when we look at Jesus in the eye. Tonight we're going to have the opportunity to celebrate in the Lord's Supper. Thinking about that last time Jesus had this meal with his disciples before he went to be betrayed. And as we come here, we're going to remember Christ's body broken for us. Remember this road marked with suffering that he endured. We're also going to abide. We're going to come close to him and experience his presence in a way we don't experience any other way than by coming to this table. And we're also going to come in hope, believing that because he trusted to the very end, this meal is just a pledge or a foretaste of a great feast that we're going to have one day when we sit down at a table with Jesus and we look him in the eye and we can see just how much he loves us. This meal is just a foretaste of that great day. On the last night when Christ was with his disciples, he took the bread and after he blessed it, he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. In a similar fashion, he took up the cup and after he blessed it, he said, this is my blood poured out for you. As often as you do this, remember me. We're going to invite you to come forward if you're able tonight to receive communion by taking off a piece of the body broken and by dipping it into the cup and then eating them together. I'd like to invite you to come uh, different than our normal order tonight. I'd like you to come toward the middle and I'd like you to take your silver, whatever silver coins you have on you, if you're willing to confess that you contributed to his betrayal. You're the reason he went to the cross. And if you'd be willing to just throw those silver coins down here on the trail and then come forward and receive communion. We have gluten-free elements that are going to be available at both sides, so you can come forward. Also, if you're not able to come forward or choose not to, just stay where you're at and we'll bring it to you. After you have taken communion, you're free to continue to stay here and linger and continue to reflect on this last night Christ had with his disciples, or you're free to go. We do ask that you hold your conversations until everyone has uh, left the room. So I'd like to invite the elders if they'd come forward at this time and prepare to serve, and then you can come forward when you feel like it's time for you to receive the Lord's Supper.